0: Welcome to Anti-Matter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we discuss the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, The Red Angel. But first I have to apologise to Annika and our listeners because if this is a complete mess, that's my fault. I'm making us record an hour early, a day early, I should say, because I'm about to go into state, and I am setting a timer. I'm going to cut us off at 50 minutes of recording so that I have time to edit this and upload it before I go because I I just don't see myself being able to edit after work on a weekday. That's not going to happen.
1: So in this hugely... (laughs) stuffed episode which to be fair is all of them
0: yeah it's okay yeah it's gonna be great well i have to say at least like the plot is very simple this is the kind of episode we've been saying we needed where the plot takes second place to all the character stuff
1: (gasps) i loved i loved that i just i i get so excited when there's character building moments and and that was just like 90 percent of this episode so it was great (laughs) And
0: scenes between people who've never interacted before.
1: Yes, so many scenes between so many people. Just lit, And there were like these big group scenes and then, you know, scenes there were just two people and it was just, there was even like the the funeral, which was, you know, half the Massive. crew. So, and, and the whole thing was just, it was exactly the kind of episode that I love where everything that happened was about how people were, reacting to it more than what was happening even the the actual like big trap you know even even the big reveal was more about how they reacted than what was actually going on
0: yeah and the big I guess you wouldn't really call it an action scene but the big technobabble setup was still more character than uh, technobabble or set piece yes it was great it was so good I do think Killjoys has filmed in that warehouse or whatever it is. It's very familiar.
1: (laughs) I can totally imagine. I mean, you you know, if you get a a couple different sci-fi shows in the same area.
0: They inevitably end up in the same place.
1: That's right. But then it's fun because then you can imagine that it's like crossovers. You know, you can imagine different ideas of how... How these two series came together, which is my favorite thing to do, combining things that have no reason to be combined, which anyone who <laughs> listens to this podcast knows.
0: <laughs> yes. See, my jam is seeing how the aesthetics of one universe translate to the aesthetics of another. So this was pretty cool. Uh, Should we just knock over the plot? pretty quickly they find a way to trap the red angel and they think it's michael and for some reason no one goes hey maybe we shouldn't tell michael about the plot to trap her because that this is her from the future and she's gonna know uh, which to, to me was the biggest weakness of the episode but yes. uh, it turns out that the, the angel is in fact michael's mother Kima from the wire i'm so
1: happy i know i should have like started this this recording with a i am not rational about anything that happened in this episode. There was, um, I like took this episode personally on a on a <laughs> you know very intrinsically personal level because I have a lot of feelings about mothers and counseling and. Both things happened in this episode, and <laughs> I, I am like on the ground. Um, so if I uh, babble and incoherent, it incoherent, it's it's because I have reasons. Um, which I guess I should I should say the context is that um, my mother died when I was thirteen years old, and that is a very difficult time for a girl to lose a yeah. mother. And. The reason I relate to Michael so much is in in the last uh, episode and in general is because I absolutely like immediately had this. I I went from like if you look at pictures of me before my right before like a month before my mother died and a month after it's like I I aged ten years in how mm. I started acting and affecting, <laughs> um, and it's. Uh, it be, because I took responsibility for taking care of my family and specifically my three younger brothers. So it, it was it's just the idea of responsibility um, and that very emotional loss at a young age, and then like finding out more information about it and then finding the person that you've been missing all your life is just like, what? I can't handle this. <laughs>
0: no no I understand this is as you're saying an episode just guaranteed to hit you in a soft place
1: yes and I mean I've I've related to Michael and her other her other mothers because of these (laughs) things you know because I because I lost my mother um at a pivotal age I I had women who tried to step into that role for me, mm. and we're like, you know, I'm going to teach you to drive. I'm going to buy you your first cell phone. I'm going to, you know, like they they would do all these things that uh, the mother figure would do because there wasn't anyone. You know, my father wasn't going to do it, <laughs> so so I had a group of women who uh, sort of like took turns mothering me, and and so the idea that that Michael has these mother relationships with uh, Philippa and with Amanda. And still has, you know, the memory and the the like. Obviously, her parents were very important to her. That's you know, yeah. We we she reveals in this episode all these details about her about her parents that uh, you know. Finally, we get to know who they are, and she's a you know anthropologist, just like her father was. Like that was a great detail that I didn't know if it if it has been revealed before. I missed it.
0: No, no, it's new.
1: So there was just there was so much. These little details that I was already excited for, and and again, then with like the reveal, which I should say I hated the idea of uh, Michael. I mean, this episode, I I sort of like assumed that she was going to be the Red Angel, but when Spock actually said it was a grandfather paradox, I like wanted to throw something at the television. <laughs> I was so I thought of you actually. angry at that word. <laughs> so having them. Having that not be the answer and having it be something so personal was was I you know this is like my favorite episode now.
0: It, it also explains why the angel has been so fixated on Michael. She's not saving her own life; it's her mother looking out for her.
1: Yes. So you know when we were talking about it being Amanda, like that makes oh, sense. Yes. But but now it's like oh no, it's like even it makes even more sense. It's so you know primal. She has a mama bear mother too.
0: And we get a new female character. Yes. Though I have to say, she doesn't have a name yet, but I don't really rate Mama Berman's, Burnham's chances of surviving the season.
1: <laughs> well, so uh, is Leland dead? <laughs> because uh, when, when his uh, eye was hit there, the first thing I thought of was, Liz has been waiting for this moment the entire season. <laughs>
0: I know, and I did not predict (laughs) that uh, it would be Section 31 or Control or the AI. Uh, My take right now is that the individual known as Leland is dead and something else is walking around in his body.
1: Yikes, wow. Okay, that'll be exciting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My justification for this is we don't see him again after he's been hit, but for a second his eye is bleeding and damaged and gross. Trigger warning for eye gore, and then in, in just a few seconds it seems to be going back to normal. So either Section 31 has some seriously advanced technology which they really should be sharing, or something is mm. infecting and rebuilding.
1: And certainly Control was already using his voice, so it would make sense for... The, uh, yeah to use his body his body as well I can I can absolutely imagine that
0: how wrong were we about control I thought it was an aspirational app and instead it too has been hacked by the AI from the future poor control poor control it just wanted to go do a good job
1: <laughs> so sad that's awful maybe now we can look forward to... The evil AI and the good AI battling it out in the end.
0: <laughs> and by good AI, we, we, we mean the the one used by Section 31.
1: Like, well, you know, I mean the, the better AI, the less evil AI.
0: <laughs> I am into this concept. I, I want it to be a more human conflict, ultimately. Uh, yes. Or, you know, biological life form. I don't want to be anti-Vulcan or Andorian etc. It's very human-centric language of me Azepa would call me out
1: Well, we don't have the word for it in, in our human language we don't have the word for people who are like humans but aren't humans collectively Yeah, it's 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 an oversight So so we, we're stuck with it So I, I understand, it's like you know uh, at the end of Star Trek 2 when Spock is the most human person that Kirk knows. He doesn't mean human, human way.
0: I always assumed he said it in the hope that it would make Spock so angry that he would just rise from his grave and be like, what did you say? But in a logical way.
1: <laughs> well, anyway, let's move off of Star Trek 2 because we have important things to talk about. But I, there was definitely a through line in this episode of identity. Yes. Because it was about, you know, the, the control subplots and Michael, uh, you know she was she was really sort of off her game at the idea that the Red Angel was her. Yeah, as much as Spock was like, "Oh, it's, it's that totally makes sense because that's the kind of person you are." Michael was like, "No, this doesn't make sense." <laughs> it was interesting because previously, you know, Spock was saying it doesn't make sense for why I was I was chosen in the same way that that Michael was saying it doesn't make sense now. You know, she, she was having the same reaction too, why me? I liked that because it was sort of like echoes of these two characters who are so linked.
0: You can absolutely see that they grew up together. Yes. yes. No, and, and you're right about the identity stuff. Like uh, Saru's identity has changed with his lack of ganglia, but he's still confident in his ability to spot a threat. Giorgio is talking about how Identity and self-image is different in her universe, which I think we should save most of that for the uh, inevitable rant you have planned about <laughs> bisexuality and evil in the mirror universe. <laughs> That's what I have. I have, to... but that was a very uncomfortable. It scene. was very
1: uncomfortable, and um, and yeah, I was like taking notes for my <laughs> my upcoming discussion of this whole trope <laughs> because. <laughs> this didn't make it better, but it was also, it was like, I really loved the fact that she said the word pansexual. I was like, wow, that oh, was great.
0: To have the words gay and pansexual in Star Trek, it's yeah. just, it's long overdue, but it still feels good.
1: And, you know, both Hugh and Paul were like, look, we're gay, stop it. You know, don't stop defining our identity for us. So that, that was really great too, but it was also like, Ugh. <laughs> and I'm just... Over that whole, that whole, the whole idea, uh, you know, we need a we need a, a prime pansexual person to make up for this. But yes, we we can hold off on it. Yes, I... though, like you know, Philippa is she's showing her vulnerability again. She's showing her less evil side.
0: Oh yeah, she was very kind with Michael.
1: Yeah, so I feel like we are, you know. The fact that she is a recurring character that keeps popping up and, and having having these, doing not evil things, I guess. Like she, mm. she does plenty of evil things, but she's also doing character building and relationship building work in our universe with our people. That's helping a little bit by showing that the mirror universe isn't default evil, it's default different. Yes. But... I don't know. Yeah. But I did, I mean, I really loved parts of it, and I really loved Tilly, (laughs) because exactly.
0: Tilly has lot of No one knows what just happened. (laughs) Uh, I basically wanted to melt through the couch and fall through the floor when she called Hugh Poppy. Philippa, obviously not Tilly, but I noticed on social media that it was mostly not necessarily Anglo, that's the word we'd use in Australia, but your white viewers who are uncomfortable with that and the Hispanic viewers seem to find it very, very funny. So, I don't know, that's not really like, I personally wanted to fall through the floor. Philippa needs to stop sexually harassing people in the workplace.
1: (laughs) Yes, that should be on a (laughs) t-shirt. Stop sexually harassing people in the workplace. You crazy mirror universe dictator <laughs> yes yes and then identity was not only a, a big important part of the uh amazing Hugh and cat scene it was definitely my favorite part but it, like she actually flat out said what you've been through is a identity crisis that no one else has ever experienced
0: and i think she's the first person who to validate his sense of being a new individual which i think is really important for him
1: yes I love that he sought her out. He always only in that uncomfortable scene with Philippa because he was looking for her. That you know at that point and uh, yes, and uh, you know it didn't. I would, it didn't occur to me that he was looking for her for therapy when he walked in. I thought he was just looking for her because there was you know he found something on Michael's scans or whatever. Mm. But then when he did find her in her office and it was personal and it was like he was you know he just came out and said this is what I need please you know please help me and that was just so validating.
0: (laughs) Yes I like the little you used to be a therapist I'm aware because I feel like Kat has spent a lot of time this season being told of things about herself by men and you know she might be a bit over that and I just, my main hope from that scene is that it's not the last we see. I don't want Kat to be his ongoing therapist because as we see from the fact that it's like three minutes, she doesn't have time, but three minutes with someone who has not practiced in many years is
1: not adequate mental health care. No, uh, but at least it, it happened. And, uh, you know, I can imagine her being being like, okay, uh, finding someone on the medical staff and and seeing, you know, okay, you, you did... A, you know extra work in in uh, you might not be a a licensed therapist, but you at least have this background or something. So and then bringing them together and, and re- mm. you know like a referral. Yeah. Like I, I can imagine her now trying to make something happen because yes. she, because she acknowledges that it needs to it needs to be done and that he that he wants it and so I'm like hopeful. That he'll at least get oh, escape yeah. therapy.
0: <laughs> well, they're not not fugitives anymore, which is kind of a shame. But uh, yeah, th- this I am happy for that scene to stand in as the on-screen representation of stuff that's happening off. I just want to know that stuff is happening off-screen, right?
1: Yes, exactly. And it, it, I mean, it was such a I, again, it w- it was like, oh, this is this is what we've been asking for. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge deal it doesn't have to be a big part of the episode it doesn't have to be like I have a spotlight on it it's just acknowledging that he needs help and wants help and Mm. and that it is available like those are the things that I I want and so exactly that we don't need to see his counseling sessions I would I would watch, but but we don't need to see it. Well, yeah, you've got to, a PhD to To, a, to acknowledge, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, don't, um, we don't need to see it for it to be going on. We just need to know that it's going on. And so this was, as we were asking for, this is, you know, an acknowledgement of the, the medical side is, is occurring.
0: <laughs> yes. I have to say I'm kind of delighted that Kat's gone like, okay well I'm here now I'm gonna take this really big office unless it's her quarters it looks like it might be quarters but they often you know this is the era where the Enterprise has no ready room so Pike does all of his stuff out of his quarters on that ship so right you know either way I thought it was a very nice set with very nice lamps yes (laughs) and plants so many plants I love them I I assume Saru has walked into his quarters and gone sure i had more plants here when i left this morning
1: maybe he gave them to her as a welcoming gift
0: <laughs> yes let's go with that theory
1: <laughs> no
0: the other cat scene that i i enjoy all cat scenes obviously but i enjoyed her very brief interaction with leland and philippa in the transporter room where philippa uh, briefly extols the benefits of, and efficiency of totalitarianism which is not really my understanding of how it went down in actual history but I she's got her own biases and uh, yeah <laughs> I, I don't think Pike yet knows who Philip is though I feel like at this
1: point it's uh, he could probably make an educated guess well if I don't, I mean, I don't really understand exactly what Pike knows and doesn't know, because if he knew about Lorca, why doesn't he know about Giorgio? Like, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird line to draw in the sand, but, um... I assumed because Lorca is safely dead, but Giorgio is still here. Doing her own yeah. thing, <laughs> and it <laughs> benefits Starfleet
0: to have people,
1: yeah. I guess I, I do understand why it's classified, but it does still seem, you know, they could just say... I don't know. But I feel. I feel like it, it's clunky for him to know up to a certain point, but not the next level. But we we already know that he was he was suspicious way back when she first showed up. So Yeah. He, he knows something's going on. And if he if he knows anything about the mirror universe, like again, I'm not exactly sure how much he knows or what he knows about Lorca, but how much he knows will you know is related to how much. Uh, he can summarize yeah, like yeah. Philippa. But I did. I loved the the like glare <laughs> that Cat shot over at at uh, for for even saying the word totalitarian.
0: <laughs> You're supposed to be the good one.
1: There, were, I will say, there were amazing facial expressions throughout this entire episode. <laughs> Every single person really brought their A game of facial expressions. <laughs>
0: When Michael is crying and she punches L- um, Leland in that scene, it's so rare to see a woman who's not just crying, but with her nose running and, you know, snot everywhere. It was gross, but it was really good.
1: And her 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 tears just appeared. Like, it was just absolutely, it was so in the moment. It was so realistic. Like, it was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, i I, I could say every week, that Sunuka Martin-Green gives a masterclass in acting. I mean, honestly, f- from from the beginning, I've been amazingly impressed with how she emotes, yes. no matter what she's yes. doing or saying.
0: You know, it's very funny. I was reading the AV Club review yesterday, and I really need to stop reading them because the reviewer doesn't like Discovery and chooses not to understand it. And as an example of that, he says something about... Uh, uh, Sonico Martin-Green not getting many chances to show off her acting skills in this series. And I'm like, oh,
1: what? Yeah, no. I have, I, I could give like a thousand screen gaps where there's a different emotion being shown. She is just incredible.
0: Her emotions as Michael are very restrained, but they're definitely there. Oh, she yeah. has the most expressive face and the most telling micro Yes. Yeah, it, it's it's remarkable and anyone who thinks that she's not doing a tremendous job acting is really not paying attention
1: Yeah, absolutely
0: I will say, in terms of acting generally I have a very high opinion of the entire cast, this is not a criticism, but there was a point where Jane Brooke paused mid-sentence and it was nearly Shatnerian
1: <laughs> Shatnerian, let's say. Uh terrible word i i'm not she was funny where she uh she said hugh's name like she said something and then hugh's name and then something and it was like weird there were weird pauses on either side of yeah
0: i think i think she's often played as a character who is thoughtful about what she says and also she delivers a lot of exposition but she's thoughtful about what she says so she pauses to consider it. But it was just this one moment where it jumped out at me as being a bit mm. reminiscent of that guy.
1: I was also, I have to say, really distracted by her hair in the uh, Hugh and Kat scene. It was, it was like, there was a, I think she had a blowout or something. It was just amazing. <laughs> it was beautiful, but it was like not, it, it just, it looked styled, I guess. <laughs> but at the same time, like sort of messy. And I was just like sitting there trying to understand exactly what her hair was doing. I've watched that scene a number of times. You know, it was like <laughs> the first time I watched the episode, the second time I watched the episode when I was capturing it for um, gif making and video making reasons, <laughs> like, you know, when I was like, okay, you know, the things I wanna talk about, I'm gonna watch these again. So I've seen it at least four times. And I, so I'm, I'm just, uh, every once in a while, I am like, wow, her hair though.
0: You know, you look at the perfection of Ash Tyler's head and you have to assume that there's a salon on board Discovery.
1: Yes, absolutely. Amazing hair. Tilly, amazing hair. Everybody on this show has amazing hair and I just love them. The Emperor had like this cool braid thing going on this week. (laughs) Great hair all around.
0: Speaking of Ash though, I really liked his scenes with Michael. Like we were saying last week, or I was saying, that I really want to see more anger from Michael, and, and she started laying into Ash, and I completely agreed with her, but I'm also like, it's like kicking a puppy. <laughs> yes.
1: I mean, okay, so I'm going to put the puppy thing aside, because I just want to uh, crow about how great we are, because <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. we said, when you said that you wanted to see more anger, and I was like, you know who who is in a great position to do that for her? I know! Is Ash! And then like Ash literally said that. <laughs> like she was like I'm yeah. sorry I got angry at you and he's like oh no I'm the right person for this job. <laughs> and I was like yes. I I get you guys. So good us, good on us. And uh, and second, I completely agree with I've been calling him a puppy all season and this episode in particular every like everyone who talked to him, you know, they were like section 31 is is terrible, and and he would be like, yeah, you know, I mean, Michael said, D- did you know about this like twice? And he was like, no, nope, yes. I don't know anything. So, uh, but I still believe in Section Thirty One, and she was angry about that, and like with reason, I think. And but then when he was like with Leland, or you know, in this in the scenes where he was sort of representing Section Thirty One, like they weren't happy with him either. <laughs> and so I was just like poor Ash is in this terrible position where he knows nothing but has to like parrot the yeah we're, <laughs> we're great line all the time which I will say is absolutely season one Nikita and the femme Nikita so that was an <laughs> apt comparison. And I just, I just really feel badly for him because he needs to find his own identity instead of like this one that section 31 has thrust upon him.
0: Yes. And I understand that there are not many job opportunities for a man in his situation, but, uh, you know, maybe Harry Mudd needs a bodyguard. I feel like that would be more morally upstanding and less problematic than section 31.
1: (laughs) He just, he doesn't even know why he believes in Section 31's mission. Like, it's just so clear. I don't think he could articulate what the mission is if he was, like, point-blank asked to express, you know, the purpose of Section 31. He just knows what people have told him. And they, you know, said that you're, you're a good fit for this because you have these skills and you have this baggage, and so, you know, we can mold you into a great operative, and that sounds promising to him, because he wants someone to give him something. Yeah, exactly, purpose, that's a really good word for it. And, so he, like, he's, he's, like, reaching for that, but they have, they've clearly haven't, like, clued him in on anything. No! And so so he's you know he's the the, the lowest man on the totem pole, and I don't I don't get the idea that they're like getting ready to to promote him <laughs> into anything like they're just using him and he doesn't he doesn't fully realize the extent like I think he knows that they're using him for something but I don't think he realizes that he's like never going to you know he's a good puppy and he doesn't he doesn't Realize that he's never going to actually get out of that role.
0: I joke a lot about Ash being pretty, not clever, but I kind of wish he was just a tiny bit cleverer. Just a little bit. I just want Michael to have a guy who can keep up with her.
1: Yeah, there is definitely, like, you are you are not the most intellectual, which, you know, maybe is what she needs. Maybe with sure. what she, she wants is something that she doesn't have to try hard for or like have all like you know Spock is a lot <laughs> so so she's looking for something that's not that relationship Sarek is a lot <laughs> you know it's like there's there's so much going on here so I you know it's 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 the relaxing maybe
0: too you know Ash as Michael's slightly dim arm candy I guess I can get behind that but he does need a new job maybe Kat needs a secretary
1: Oh, my god, That would be so perfect, actually. I would love right. him as, like, the yeoman Tyler
0: <laughs> to, okay. of her Okay, this Admiral. is like what I said a few weeks ago, that Ash's role in this series is Janice Rand. Yeah,
1: pretty he much. He
0: has, has no firm duties or purpose. No one completely understands what he's doing there. He's constantly at the center of plot lines around sexual harassment and rape and identity, and... He's very, very pretty,
1: and taken advantage of. Yes. So Ash Tyler is the new Janice Rand, but with much better hair. <laughs> yes, with with beautiful hair, and uh, and I mean, he's very he's very pretty, and I just want to save him.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, but now I'm picturing how much better the original series would have been if Janice Rand had been the security chief, <laughs> because we never saw their security chief.
1: Okay, that's a great AU that I, I mean, I'll mm. also, I will say, I love that, that Nan is like, kind of girly. <laughs> yes. And yet the security it's, chief, it doesn't, it doesn't affect her ability to do her job in any way.
0: Right, because the skirt, this version of the skirt uniform yeah. is loose enough and, and to move around and has leggings so you're not flashing your undies at people, so why wouldn't you wear a skirt?
1: Wait, she just, she likes it, you know? She likes her, her pretty hair and it, it, it's, I, I really just I really like, I really like Nan to begin with and I really yes. like that she's so girly and yet good at her job. It, it, it doesn't take away anything for him, for her being absolutely respected as the security officer
0: yes i would like like in terms of uh, supporting characters i'd really like to know more about i just want to know why she made the switch from engineering to security uh, and is it like you know they come onto enterprise and they're like um, i'm sorry they come onto discovery and they're like well we've got plenty of engineers we have more than we need uh but we have an opening for security <laughs> and she's like okay
1: sure your last <laughs> one was a klingon i couldn't possibly do work they're all sort of under the title of operations right like isn't that yeah, communications, yeah. engineering and security are all under operations, so you know, hey
0: Also, it's a science ship, like, they probably weren't expecting this level of security needs. needs like, it, it makes sense that it would be a good place for a freshly promoted security chief to make a start
1: uh, While we're talking about people taking on uh, new roles uh, what do we think mm. about uh, Nielsen being the new Ariam. Who is also the and old Ariam. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs>
0: like I guessed it would happen. Yeah. But when she walked onto the bridge and everyone reacted, I didn't understand why. Because surely, like, other people take Ariam's place when she's off duty and so forth. Like, it shouldn't be that strange. In
1: theory, Nielsen would have been, like, the second shift science yeah. officer, right? Like, I mean, that's how it works. Yeah. I assume, and then she was promoted to First Shift because First Shift died.
0: Yeah. And then there's the added confusion of her having played Ariam last year. It was just a bit just a bit distracting. Mm. But I'm glad to see more of her. I'm glad that I, I I'm very intrigued to know why they recast Ariam this year. And yet made the effort to keep the original actress around. Like, yeah. I'm sure we'll find out, and I'm sure it's some innocuous reason. Like, she had a reaction to the makeup, but we really liked her and wanted to keep her.
1: Yeah, I um, I, it could be anything really. <laughs> mm. I yeah, I I mean, I don't want to speculate because it could be anything. Um, but I really liked. I like how the cast and the fandom have embraced new Dead Arium. And yes. um, I like how the cast and fandom appreciate old and new Nielsen. Like, I, I like that it seems to have been very friendly and, and good. Yeah, and Hannah that...
0: Cheeseman was saying that they became, they became really good friends because the first Ariam Sarah Miteach, I don't know how to pronounce her surname, but she taught her, you know, the movements and the, the bridge functions that she had made up. So, I think that's cool, and there's a sense of camaraderie yeah. in this, this cast that I really like.
1: Oh, there definitely is. I think this cast is, is really great, and just seeing them all together, is, it's just, they, they clearly have a connection. And I've heard that it's because Siniko is such a good leader, and I absolutely believe that and think it's wonderful, and I just, you know, it just makes me so happy. <laughs> Honestly, if Seneca Martin-Green
0: turned up and asked
1: me to follow her off a cliff, I would
0: probably give serious thought. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it, she seems like a really... A, a leader who appreciates... The role you know who like like takes it as i'm going to like shepherd these people or something and and make everyone shine
0: yes as we've discussed privately i'm currently watching the good wife for the first time and sonequa plays a very small part as the main character's assistant for a few episodes and she's so young and so fresh-faced and she's only sonequa martin not sonequa martin green yet and she's so underused but she's such a quiet, compelling presence in the background of episodes. Yes.
1: Yeah. I could spend an entire podcast episode extolling sneaker Martin-Green's amazingness. So let's just <laughs> quit. Let's just, you know, I concede that that, that happened. <laughs> She's the best. Yes. Yes. Michael's the best and Sonequa's the best and I just love that Discovery exists. I really like
0: the sibling relationship that Sonequa seems to have with Ethan Peck
1: yes this whole cast they just seem to um take everything beyond the work and into reality and i i i think that's that's that helps the show and makes it you know click even more and also i have to say ethan peck is is doing an amazing job at at bringing new life to this part that you know has been has, has been, been done <laughs> and is is and is such a you know has such a place in the lexicon of star trek and like the world <laughs> so
0: yes I, I see a lot of reviews saying he sounds just like leonard nimoy and that i don't know if I agree with that, but his presence and his manner of delivery, and this week he pronounced censor the same way. You know, It's just the little details like that.
1: Right, and, I mean, but, but at the same time, he's bringing something new to a character that we didn't need anything new for, you know? Like, he could have just done a Leonard Nimoy impression and everybody would have been happy, but yes. he's going beyond that and putting his own spin on it, and I just... I appreciate that. I think that he's really... I don't know. I just... Uh, this this episode, you know, I I was... You know, for so long we were just searching for him and we were waiting for him and it was like, is Spock ever going to come? <laughs> and I was tentative, I guess, at first. Um, When he... Yes. Even when he first... When he, you know, the, his first episode, he wasn't even fully coherent.
0: Lucid. Um, yeah. You know, really
1: until, like, the end of, of the Mina episode. And, like... Last episode's chess game and this episode's boxing, like, I just I was like, you have sold me. I'm I really appreciate the work that is being put into crafting this vision of Spock and how he relates to Michael because that's that's the you know that's the that's the meat of it is he's he's creating. New depths to this character, but it's entirely based on the relationship to Michael.
0: Yes, I know a lot of people were concerned that Spock and Pike would take over the series and Michael would no longer be the focus. And I'm very happy to say that is not the case at all. She's the most special, clearly. <laughs> oh, and there are still people whining about that. Well, those... Oh, the whining.
1: I'm just, I'm over those people. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just very at the point where I just don't even want to, think about it anymore. I just am tired of, of anybody... You know, if you don't like the show, then just, just stop. Stop bothering us. You know, like, we do. And, and we don't need to spend any time explaining why it's good for us. Like, I just... I'm, I'm really, really tired of the whole quote-unquote debate, and I don't want to debate anybody anymore.
0: I, I think that that puts it really well. And that's not to say that we're uncritical. You know I think we've talked a lot about our issues with this season. And actually, there was an interesting post by Aristophanes on Dream With uh, where she sort of pointed out that this season hasn't, doesn't feel as tightly plotted as season one did. And I think that's a fair, a fair description. And, and I think it's partially due to the change in showrunner. And I think I don't want to open the tab and like make clicky clicky noises. But I think she says something about they spent spent too much time apologizing for the mistakes of season one, which really puts it very well. That was yeah. one of my big complaints.
1: I absolutely agree. And and that I think that that's that's related. It's like I don't I don't want them to apologize. I want them to just yeah. Just, just do you know just keep going nobody apologized for the first season of the next generation and they should have. <laughs> like so so just yeah you know like just mo- you know keep going forward Be, you know take what is good and and make more of it make make things better, you know, except that not like not every episode is going to be perfect and it, and you know no episode is going to be perfect and not episode not every episode is going to be good and that's okay. That's television. Right. So many people in the fandom everybody ranks point of Light as like the worst episode of the season. I love that episode. So I you know, it's even the what's quote unquote the worst episode, there's going to be someone who loves it. So just Keep making your story, and don't worry about our reaction. Yeah,
0: and I do think that they are in a better position to do that than previous treks have been, given that it's written and filmed well before it hits the audience. So that that's sort of, sort of an advantage, but then the season ends, and there's all the criticisms, and sometimes they listen, and sometimes they don't. And I just think... You know, I love fandom, and I think fandom is really important. But historically, franchises tend to tell inferior stories when they listen too much to the fandom and not to the stories that they they themselves want to tell.
1: Yes, exactly. There, there's a balance. There should be, there yeah, should be someone, yeah. you know, no one should be given free reign. That's how we end up with three Hobbit movies. Oh, my God. But also, you shouldn't apologize for your ideas and, like you shouldn't try to try to answer the, the, the people who are the loudest or something because then you end up with something terrible too.
0: Yeah. And I do think that it, if you, I assume that if you're a creator, it's difficult to distinguish criticisms like the Klingons look different from criticisms like, yeah, maybe making the bisexual character the evil one was not a good idea. I think it's probably difficult to distinguish those criticisms and it all just sounds like people yelling at you after a while.
1: Yes. It would be really hard. I you know, as, as a fan fiction writer, I, I get mm. I get worried about, about <laughs> the, their reaction and what people think and say. And so I I get it. I'm not I'm not saying that they shouldn't think about it or shouldn't react or even shouldn't write to it, but I think that that they need to have a little perspective and and realize that that I don't know. Don't worry about the people who aren't even watching the show. Like the, those people should definitely not have a, a seat at the table.
0: Right, right. Like Star Wars should not be made for the people who chased Ke- Kelly Marie Tran off off Instagram.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. Those people definitely like just just those people should be muted, and sent. You know, just, we we don't. We don't hear them.
0: You know, I will say this for Star Trek fandom. No one has been chased off social media lately.
1: Maybe there's enough people saying the opposite. That uh, This cast is so engaged with the fandom. Yeah. They're so available. And I get angry every time I see people comment in poor taste. But... The cast is actually, like, they see, I think maybe it helps that the cast is so close, and so they're all in it together, and they realize that it's it's not about them.
0: Yeah, and they can probably check in with each other yeah. if, you know, something is hinky.
1: And so, yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't have a podcast, I wouldn't have a online presence, I wouldn't talk about Star Trek with my friends if I, you know, I have plenty of critique uh, about everything, everything I love. I'm I'm willing to critique. I th- I critique out of love. Yeah. So, I don't I don't think that there you can I think criticism is a part of it. I think it's a part of being engaged with anything. You know, it's definitely a part of fandom, but it's definitely a part of of, you know, why what is the point of watching something that doesn't make you feel and exactly. and think and, and and want to say something so i i mean i am i am i am the opposite of someone who watches television for escapism <laughs> i am not that person
0: <laughs> but you're also not a hate watcher which i really appreciate you're a very positive presence
1: yeah i i mean because i th- i think that the why, why should i waste my time <laughs> on On things that I can't find the positive
0: in. Yeah, that puts it really well. Now, we are running out of time, but let's talk about one more really important thing, the costumes. Yes!
1: Oh my gosh, okay. So, Philippa's outfit with the spikes. the the, Yes. Like, that is amazing.
0: She is totes punk rock.
1: I love that she was like these pleather outfits that the section 31 people wear are not even trend, you know edgy enough for me <laughs> i need i need to add like a whole other layer of edgy.
0: Well, the thing that I really like about Leland's outfit is that it's kind of boxy and uncomfortable and not very attractive. Just the way Sloane's whole Section 31 uniform was yeah. in, in Deep Space Nine. I don't know if that's intentional, but I think it's just a really nice detail. And also it's totally fitting that Philip would go, yeah, I'm not wearing that.
1: So I've been moving over my um, fashion projects from Tumblr to my webpage and the one for Jean-Luc Picard in Mm. spyware, I have a whole little digression into Section 31 because he's wearing what Section 31 wears, just not in leather. Yes. And I... Because he's a good guy. In doing this, because Discovery has Section 31 in it, I went up and I looked and I found a Section 31 guy... On Discovery, I understand it. I'll be quick. No, no, no. <laughs> it, he is wearing um, what Picard wears, like straight up what Picard <laughs> wears in that episode. So that made me really happy. And the what Leland is wearing is what the uh, Section 31 people in Enterprise are wearing, like almost,
0: oh. almost thread for
1: thread. So it's really...
0: I, I'm not up to those episodes yet. That's so ex- exciting.
1: It's excellent costuming. And then like Philippa being like, I need more bling. And also I need something that makes like people not want to be within my personal space. because yeah. we don't want to touch her like it was very it's like a, a like a hedgehog porcupine you know i'm <laughs> go go away from me thing she she's got going on there
0: right i joked on the discord that she wears that because she doesn't want to be cuddled but she wears that because she doesn't want to be cuddled yeah
1: absolutely and but then that she does get that moment with michael it like it's just it shows that mm. this is how important michael is to her and like Her Michael, but also this Michael. (laughs) Like, there's just layers there.
0: In a way, this Michael is is an improvement on her Michael because her Michael, you know, betrayed her. Her Michael would have killed her.
1: And then what Hugh was wearing, because he was like not, he hasn't been reinstated or something, but is still acting as a doctor. Like, that was a hilarious line, just, you know, shout out. But Hugh is wearing his dark suit, which makes sense because it's a funeral. But then, like, he stays in that for the episode until he's in the spacesuits that everybody is at the end. So he's, like, the only one in dark Mm. other than the Section 31 people. And, like...
0: He's in mourning for himself.
1: Yeah, it it was just this really interesting, like, we're continuing this through line of, you know, people who need external identity and are, yeah, are in mourning, are in a dark place, I guess that's a way of putting it. Like,
0: it was just interesting. Tart scoff, but really well cut.
1: <laughs> and I saw on, uh, like, uh, Wilson Cruz mentioned his costume and how that it really helped him get in the mood and how it's his favorite color. And he was just like, I looked really stylish, but I also, like, felt this weight of, of, uh, of the of the darkness, you know. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but uh, we can link <laughs> to, to yeah, what he said. Yeah, And I, was, and you know, and people, you know, he was saying that in response to someone saying, "I really liked your suit," and he was like, "Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you about my suit." You know, so it was very. <laughs> it was, I appreciated that. So yeah, I mean, I always, I always love when they they do interesting things with costumes and is good at that.
0: The missed opportunity of this season is that while they were fugitives, they should have done like Insurrection and put on really cool fugitive outfits. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> Pike is definitely a bomber jacket sort of guy.
1: Wait, this, this is uh, fan art that we can commission. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. So what are we up to? Sarek Interpol's Poles costumes. Uh, Pike in a bomber jacket. Yeah, yeah, I think we can make this work. Definitely.
1: Okay, I'm definitely making us wrap up now. Alright. Thank you for listening to AntimatterPod. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Five-star reviews help make us visible to the planet. You cannot support us on Patreon or like us on Facebook, but you can find us on Twitter at @AntiMatterPod and also at AntimatterPod.tumblr.com including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. Please send vaguely positive thoughts in our direction, and critique if you have them. And join us next week for more Discovery.
0: Which we'll try to cover in a full-length episode, because I am not leaving the house next weekend. That's a promise.